It's all about big card data and big game hunting. But before we get to that, today's podcast is sponsored by Security Unlocked, a new podcast from Microsoft focusing on artificial intelligence and machine learning in security. Check out the links in the description below. So what a weird week it has been. It's sort of been a, a truncated week, if you will, um, because of there was a, a holiday here in the US and then there was also an inauguration this week. So there was news, but there wasn't news, but there's still a lot to talk about because it was, again, just a busy week. And of course, there's always the question, which is always my favorite part. But before we get into that, let's just dive into the news, shall we? So one of the things Microsoft did this week is that they invested in smart cars well more specifically uh into the self-driving car game with an investment into cruise now i believe cruise was a spin-off from gm but honda is also involved and microsoft is tossing some money into this company and i think the play here is for the potential of big data if you will what I mean by this is that Microsoft knows that connected cars make a lot of data and that data needs to be stored and analyzed somewhere. And of course, where do they want that? They want it in Azure. Uh, but Cruise is a little bit more interesting, I think, from the perspective of that this is a company that is targeting self-driving cars. Now, it's supposed to be somewhat vendor agnostic, meaning that like anybody could go to them and buy their product and then put it in their car and have self-driving cars. That's really glossing over at a super high level. It's not exactly that easy, but that is what this company is pursuing is self-driving vehicles and Microsoft very clearly wants to be a part of that they they don't have their own um, in-house self-driving car initiative and so this is a good way for them to get into that segment without being the primary player uh, of owning the company now it's important to point out that obviously Google has investments in this area and so does Amazon and so now Microsoft is joining the fold and they're they're betting that Cruise will be used by hopefully several companies and that all their data will be coming back to Azure so um, it's sort of a, a longer outlook sort of play. It's not so much a gamble, but it's more of a bet on the future and that this company will truly be able to build a self-driving vehicle or at least the technology to enable that. And so that the, when those partners start using it, it'll come back to, to Microsoft. So uh, on the team side of life, there's a new history menu coming. Now there already is a back button in the top left corner. And if you click it, it takes you back, but you're kind of going backwards blind. And so if you're familiar with how a browser works where there's a drop down and you can jump to a specific point that will be coming here in the very near future and it's a nice little update uh, for those of you who are pretty heavy into teams mostly because we've all been in that situation where you've worked on a file and you can't exactly remember where it is but you know it was in teams and so that will help you uh, find all that here's a little bit of an interesting one there's some big things going on with win32 specifically the win32 api and microsoft has a, pro a, a project called win32 metadata and they're hoping that with this tool more languages will be able to make use of the win32 apis right now it's primarily like a c based um, access point and so they're trying to expand uh, the languages that are going to be able to interact with win32 apis i'm not quite sure where they're fully headed with this i'm, I'm not sure if they're trying to make it easier for developers to start writing native applications for Windows. I mean, that's never really a bad thing, uh, but we'll see where this project goes. And so they're effectively like sort of doubling down on Win32 and saying like, look, this is the future and we're just gonna try to make it as flexible as possible. And so um, that's one of those things that like, you should keep your eye on. Nothing really changing today, uh, but long-term this could have some bigger changes about how people build applications and develop for uh, for Windows, which is, which is a pretty cool thing. Uh, Microsoft also launched the Surface Laptop Go in India. The Surface Laptop Go is like the Surface 
go, but in a laptop form. I actually I expect that this to be a pretty big high volume seller. Uh, speaking of high volume seller, next week Microsoft reports earnings. So that I believe that is on the twenty sixth. So that's it's usually the middle of next week. Uh, Microsoft should be reporting earnings, which we should see. I'm hoping to see like surface over two billion. Uh, that will be interesting. Uh, we'll also be looking at like Office three sixty five Microsoft. Microsoft 365 subscriber numbers, if I can get that out there, Game Pass subscribers. Um, there's going to be a lot of things to be looking for, but keep in mind that earnings comes out next week, and what prompted that is that the server's laptop Go, I expect to be a pretty high volume seller because it's at a pretty low price point and it's targeted at entry level, and, and, and in my opinion, it is a much better entry level device than, say, the actual Surface Go tablet because, hey, it's a, it's a laptop, uh, which is much easier to use for the vast majority of people in most scenarios, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, Microsoft List is also now available for iOS, so if you've been holding out and not using it because of that, there you go. Uh, Android is coming soon, but it is not available as of um, as of the time they're recording. Uh, big milestone also this week for some popular Microsoft software, Edge, and this one's a little bit hard to believe, uh, is turning one. I guess it's been kind of a crazy year and we all just kind of forgot, but Edge, the browser that Microsoft has built, is officially one year old. So remember, this is based off of Chromium. This is not the old Edge, which is based off of, I believe, what was their Spartan Core. Um, so this is completely based on Chromium. And by all accounts, I've been using it for probably six seven months now sometime over the summer i think i converted full-time and it's fine like i i don't really have any issues um, there's a couple new features including a new sidebar search uh tab sleeping which is kind of an interesting idea so if you have a tab that is open and who doesn't have a million tabs open and it's not you're not using it it, it goes to quote unquote sleep or kind of hibernates so that it stops sucking down resources in the background it makes the browser just a little bit more friendly because browsers are known to suck up a lot of resources and so uh, there's that there's history and tab sync there's also a new password generator, and so uh, Outlook.com emails will now show up in your new tab page if you have that configured. Uh, there's some new Fluid design icons, like crazy, crazy. We're still talking about rolling out Fluent like umpteen years after it was announced. There's also some new themes too, by the way. Uh, Microsoft has built out some custom themes. You can go download them and, and make your browser just a little bit more customized. They're not super flexible. If you're familiar with what you can do on Chrome uh, with customization, it's effectively like the same thing over on Edge. Um, so nothing too, nothing too crazy, but hey, if you want to change the color up, you can, you can now go do that, uh, which is like, it, it's never a bad thing. I, I shouldn't have downloaded it. So um, that's kind of like the major highlights of the Microsoft news. There's one thing I do want to point out uh, that is outside the realm of Microsoft. It's Intel. Intel has been sort of in the news, good and bad, right? They have a new CEO coming on board, he's, but he's an old person. He started at Intel, went to VMware, and now he's back. Um, They've been in the news also for, you know, obviously Apple has their M1 chip, by the way, uh, and <laughs> they've been they've been on the downside of a lot of negative news. So it's good to see uh, that they ported, reported that they had a really strong quarter and PC unit volume sales were up 33% year over year uh, thanks to record notebook sales. Now, I think we can obviously uh, point to some of that for people working at home, just needing new laptops because they don't want to use their old thing that they just barely were getting by with. So they bought a new piece of hardware. Uh, but anyways, that's good for Intel, some good momentum, some good cash injection as they make some tough choices coming ahead because there's, there's a lot of speculation about what 
what will they do? Will they go to fabless, meaning will they go to the AMD model where they don't own the fabrication shop, but then can Intel get the same you know, priority as a company like Apple with their M1 or Qualcomm or somebody like that? There's a lot of interesting choices. Are they going to go deeper into ARM? Are they going to, what are they going to do? Um, we'll have to watch and see. Intel will be a company to keep an eye on in 2021, mostly because their future isn't as like bedrock as it was several years ago. And since we're talking about bedrocks, something that should be a bedrock of your podcast playlist comes from my friends at Microsoft, specifically Nick and Natalia, because they have a new podcast called Security Unlocked, where they take a closer look at the latest innovations in threat intelligence, security research, and data science, with a special focus on demystifying artificial intelligence and machine learning. On one of the recent episodes, I think this was episode eight, it'll be linked down in the description below, called Tackling Identity Threats with AI. They talk about how AI is being used to protect your personal data. For those in the security industry or th honestly thinking about entering into it this is a great way to get familiar with about how professionals approach tough problems with unique solutions be sure to listen with the links in the description below uh, but things you should be listening to are what's happening in the gaming world as i said kind of a quieter week but there are some very notable things to be listening to right now if you will um I don't know why I just rolled that R, but you know what? We're gonna go with it. We're gonna we're gonna go with it. It's it's a Friday. Be happy. Be healthy, or something like that. Anyways, gaming news. Um, so last week I sort of hinted that I'd be hearing about a lot about um some potential acquisitions in the gaming industry, not just coming from Microsoft, but coming from a wide variety of partners. And there was some big news uh, dropping this week. Some of this I had heard about. Um, some of it I had not, but all of it falls right into the same vein of what I had been hearing across the industry um first up so the studio behind microsoft's flight sim so i cannot it's asobo i i, I guarantee i sobo i guarantee i pronounced that wrong i have a very rich history of that so it had been rumored that they were going to be taking an investment from microsoft and that's not the case they did take an investment uh but it was from it, they sold effectively a minority stake into a company that like, you have not heard of, um, but now they have a minority shareholder and they get a nice little capital injection. We don't know exactly what they're going to be using that capital for, uh, but it was rumored that Microsoft was just going to come in and buy them because of how well Flight Sim has turned out. And so that is obviously not the case. And the fact that they took on a minority shareholder uh, makes me think that they are honestly just not up for sale. And that's the mar that's the model they wanted is that they wanted a minority shareholder. It wouldn't surprise me if Microsoft came in and said, hey, we could do this, um, but we want to buy the whole company. And they're like, nah, we're not really looking for that. And so that's why they got that minority shareholder um, and they got some new capital and they are going to be doing the same thing they're going to be doing. So they're going to continue to work on flight sim i would assume for microsoft um they also work with a bunch of other companies like disney and so they are not they don't only just build flight sim and so that that is one thing uh zynga uh their their stock actually popped over uh takeover rumors and then tencent is uh also gearing up for a major u.s or korean investment this is according to tmt finance I, that's where i think some of the things i have been hearing might be crossing over with tencent um because i've been hearing about a major acquisition uh unfolding or in process uh somewhere along that journey uh, i'm starting up so uh just just keep your eyes and ears open i don't know how long 
people keep asking me what companies and I don't want to say because there's multiple reasons why one it might fall through right and then people are like well Brad you said you're, they're gonna buy XYZ company and they didn't you were wrong well it's like they probably tried uh, but these things fall apart for a number of reasons look at the flight sim studio right they only took a minority investment we don't know what these companies are looking for I just know who's talking to who right it's like what kids are playing together at the playground I can tell you who's doing that but I don't know if they're gonna end up playing kickball or if they're gonna go home and eat their lunch right it's a it's a complex narrative to try to unravel um, but all I know is that this space is getting really really hot right now so uh, other things that happened this happened late on Friday after I recorded the podcast but Xbox OS is getting a pretty significant update and it's a very much like infrastructure behind the scenes thing there's so they're not going to be able to flight it's a new flighting system and if you're not familiar with flighting um, that's how Microsoft pushes data and updates to the console and so they're working on a new flighting system where they can update individual components for example the shell which is the the user interface like the thing when you hold down your Xbox button like what pops up on the screen that's the shell so now they're going to be able to update just that without doing a complete system update this is pretty cool because now they can do more agile updates now this system isn't fully rolled out they were rolling it out to initially to Omega users but knowing how the Xbox platform works I would expect that this whole flighting system should roll out pretty quickly because again the Xbox OS and ecosystem is locked hardware there's just a finite number of configurations it's not like the PC world where they have millions uh, so be on the lookout for that I think this is hopefully meaning hopefully meaning we're gonna get faster and more agile updates rather than like the waterfall style that Microsoft had been uh, working with previously. Also, another big deal, at least for me specifically, so whatever, it's a big deal. Uh, the YouTube app on Xbox now supports HDR. So if you can go find those videos on YouTube, you can now watch them um, through this app. And so that's a good thing. And that's, that's a big deal because I, I use that all the time. So um, other things happening that are just interesting um digital foundry did a really good video that kind of shows the narrative of like the playstation 5 is more powerful than the xbox series x uh we know that like categorically is not correct and every time there's a, a playstation 5 game that comes out that is uh, on par with the series x it's like well they ever microsoft lied for 12 months about the series like no they didn't um, we know that the underlying components are better in the series x and digital foundry has a title that absolutely proves it um the hitman 3 they did a really good deep dive of analysis there's a video on youtube you should absolutely go watch it where the, it's almost it's almost frame by frame uh, but the the tldr here is that the ps5 version of hitman 3 runs by 3200 by 1800 and the series x actually runs at native 4k so it's a much higher resolution and it is able to do that at 60 frames per second while the playstation 5 also does 60 frames per second it looks like hitman 3 uh developers io which they said they had their most successful launch ever i believe this morning uh, if my memory recalls correctly with this title um but effectively that they optimized for for fps and the series x was able to do it natively at 4k where the playstation 5 uh was unable to do so so let's just jump over to the questions of the week where is my thread? There we go. Every week I tweet these out uh, at BD Sam's on the Twitters. And so if you're subscribing or following or whatever, you will be able to find that. And let's just dive in. And the reason why I get asked this every week, well, not every week, but a lot of weeks is like, why don't you just pull up the Twitter thread? Because there's there's too many places questions come in, like they come in the DMs and everything else. So I, I have a thread on throughout.com uh, that makes it so much easier to do this. So uh, Mad Thinus says, any whispers on what on what 21H1, that is the Windows 10 update for uh, the spring, is coming or will be about? Or will I have to take a blog post of the insider program that will be continuous streams of fixes for 
20H2. So um, Microsoft, I believe the spring update for Windows 10 is just going to be minor bug fixes. They're very much pushing towards a larger update in the fall. Uh, that is when Sun Valley is expected to arrive. Although we should start to see bits of that, honestly, much earlier. But the way that Microsoft does it, like 21H1 should be just about completed and, and signed off. Or not, I don't know about signed off. That might be incorrect um, for now. And so most of the updates we should start seeing are going to be for the fall update. And so just be on the lookout for bugs and pat bugs and fixes for the spring and then a larger update in the fall. But why the coyness and the silence? I don't know. Microsoft really could just come out and be honest and, and say it. But at the same time, they like to try to surprise people. And if they come out and say, this is exactly what we're doing, and then they don't deliver it, then there'll be people like me who will hold them accountable for making a promise. And so I don't think they're going to announce anything until they are absolutely 100% locked and loaded that this is going to all ship in the in this spring, in the fall. Uh, Sidechoker, hi Brad, hope you're doing, I hope you are doing well. Handful of questions this week. Why isn't Microsoft making an app like the Courier concept where the Microsoft services are all combined, like an office online website where you can access all the apps in the upper left corner? Well, they sort of have that, like with office.com. You can log in. It's not quite the Courier concept. Um, the closest thing we have to that right now is Teams, and I'll be curious to see if Teams does evolve into something like that. Other questions include uh, some news about a magnetic USB for Surface that could replace the Surface Connect. Um, so the Surface Connect, oh, I hope this doesn't unplug things, um, is this guy right here. If you're watching on the video, if you're on the audio, just know that I'm holding the Surface Connect. As of right now, Microsoft does have a next generation of that port uh, designed. Now, when is it going to arrive? That's a big question. The reason why I say that is because when they make that shift, then they're going to have to go through the narrative of what about all your older peripherals, especially in the enterprise space, which kind of made me wonder if the reason the seven, the Surface Pro 7 Plus came out with the older port was so that they could eventually transition to it. I didn't put that in my writing, um, mostly because for, for reasons I don't want to start speculation, um, because if you think about it, they put this device out for businesses that gives them a longer lead time in that market while they transition over the consumers and then the baby the business but right now one of the things that microsoft tells us time and time and time and time and time again um every single time they uh push out an update is that businesses have this port everywhere and they don't want to change it because then all their business customers will have to go out and rebuy everything i suspect that when they do make the change finally they will have some sort of dongle or adapter that will make uh new devices work with old peripherals at least that is what i hope uh, what can we expect from a Surface Spring event? Well, I don't think there's going to be a potentially a Spring, like there's no in-person event, uh, but the Surface Laptop next gen uh, should be showing up here uh, relatively soon. And I don't know if that's going to be like the 10X time, right? Microsoft still hasn't really come out and, and well, we've gotten the leaked builds. Microsoft hasn't come out and, and done their like, this is what 10X is. This is why it's awesome. This is why you're going to want to use it. Here's the hardware it's running on. And so that very well could be aligned to a Spring event. <laughs> Um, do you know, do you know something more about Scalebound? No, like individual game stuff is not typically my forte unless it's Halo Infinite and they want to tell me that I'm wrong even when I'm right. Uh, Silent Hero says, I know this is quite early to ask, but what is Microsoft's long-term strategy from with Windows 10 X? Well, their long-term strategy is the same thing as the long-term strategy with, uh, Windows uh, RT, uh, Windows 10S. They want to create a holistic locked ecosystem that is agile, that is easily updated, and that never loses performance. Effectively, they want to create a Chromebook that's not made by Google. Um, and that's they won't ever pitch it in that scenario, but that's what they want to go for. Initially, they were targeting things like a, they want an iPhone, but as a Windows OS with RT. And now Chromebook is sort of what they were, are chasing. And it's very apparent that 10X is right along those lines, uh, right along those lines. So 
um, the long-term goal is to, like if Microsoft had the perfect world is that nobody would actually be running Windows 10 like we do today. They'd be running this entirely locked ecosystem of Microsoft hardware, software, and services and that you have to just, that's just the way it is. But that's not where they're going to get. Now their goal is to create an agile, low-end, entry-level OS that works really, really well, especially in education, especially with younger customers who are kind of accustomed to the iOS model. Um, that is their long-term goal. But they're kind of short-term goal is to actually get people to like it uh, because that's been the biggest challenge with like Windows 10s, right? People just didn't like it. Same with RT. Like they understood it, but they didn't like it. It looked like a duck, quacked like a duck, but it was actually a pigeon uh, underneath. And so that is the, that, that is honestly their, their long-term goal is just to build an entry-level OS, entry-level style OS that people will actually enjoy. Uh, Johnny77, my drop. Threadlinked is getting popular again. Microsoft removing the family calendar. Apparently was supposed to return, but it's been crickets from Microsoft Stack. Uh, will anybody bring this up and actually get them talking about it? <sighs> Who knows? Um, actually, I probably should look into this because I could honestly probably use it. But Microsoft Family Calendar has been a sore spot. It was pretty well done and then Microsoft ripped it out, which we still don't understand why. Uh, Mr. PKI, as always, here is your favorite ending question of the week. Do you ever get a question for the SAMS report from a Microsoft employee? Yes, actually. Um, so one of the interesting things about uh, my sort of career or whatever, and this is the same for other people like Mary Jo or Paul, is that we know a lot of people in like many different areas of the Microsoft tree, right? Or the Microsoft org. I mean, there's a hundred, hundred thousand plus people. And for a lot of times employees, right, they're siloed in their own org or whatever. And it, that's not a bad thing, but like just generally speaking, I talk to individuals across the entire company, definitely on like a, a monthly basis, if not a weekly basis. And so it's not unusual for somebody at the company to not be fully aware of what is going on in another org. Uh, that, that's not unusual at all. Not just at Microsoft, but just large companies in general. And so, yeah, like we'll get questions all the frequent. I would say several times a month, I, I actually think. I don't think there were any this week, but several times a month it does happen. And then it says, how many Microsoft employees are premium members of Throt.com? I don't know the specific answer, but I can tell you that there are a couple executives um, who have signed up for Throt Premium. And I know that because they use their at Microsoft.com email account. And so there's definitely some others as well mixed in there, but I, I don't have an exact number uh, off of the top of my head. So interesting week, like I said, at the top of the podcast, interesting week. And so here we are wrapping it up uh, January 22nd. It has been another fun podcast. As always, guys, very much appreciate you guys hanging out, stopping by. And uh, as a reminder, today's podcast was brought to you by Security Unlocked. You can find links down in the description below or, or go directly to their site at securityunlockedpodcast.com. Give them a listen. Give them a try. You won't be disappointed.